0: Uh, As
1: we transition again in our service to the teaching portion, I invite you to open your copy of Scripture uh, to the Gospel of John. Uh, The Gospel of John, beginning in chapter 17. Uh, We're going to look specifically at verse 20 and 21. Now, John 17, in context here, you know, we're jumping midstream into his writing, but uh, it's the record of Jesus praying right before, just hours before he would go To the cross. In these moments, uh, Jesus takes time to pray for the disciples who were with him, uh, that were present there in that moment, and he takes time to pray for those who would come to believe through their message. What's the implication of that today? That's us. That's you. Because we've come to believe through the message of the disciples in Christ Jesus. So he is praying for you and for me in in these moments. Uh, Let's pick up there in John 17. Verse 20, it says, my prayer is not for them alone. So he's referring there to the prayers he has been praying for those who were present with him in that moment. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, in tense moments like this, we might have anticipated Jesus praying something like future believers would be kept safe, that they would be guarded maybe from persecution or protected. But Jesus doesn't pray for that. He explicitly prays for two manifestations of unity or togetherness. First, he prays that we would be one that his followers, his believers would be one. And then he also prays that we would be one with him and the Father. He prays for unity. Now, now I'm guessing like some of us, I mean, we look at the world and the week that we just had, and we're thinking, Jesus, why didn't you just pray to take us out of here? Like, hit the eject button, I'm done, right? But he didn't. He didn't. In those hours, as he looked ahead, as he was seeing down through time, he prayed that we would find unity. That we would find community and fellowship with one another and that intimacy with him and the Father. And so, if it was important enough in that moment, in that high-pressure time of John 17, if it was important enough for Jesus to consider in those hours, are we willing to reconsider its importance today? Are we willing to reconsider the importance of unity? Uh, It was a couple of days before Easter in 2020. I want to hit a rewind for just a little bit. I was standing there in the back of the auditorium some two years ago now at our Harrisonburg campus there at Boyers Road, and I was watching the recording of our Easter service that would play online you know we're in full lockdown mode at this point Uh, we've been trying to do the best we could you know we were doing the online church thing Uh, this campus even was still it had been announced but it was still very much a dream and people's prayers And so there we are, we'd been doing the online church thing for a little while, trying to, again, we had to learn so much so quickly in that season. We were doing the best we could, but all the while, you know, online church helped, but there was something yet missing. And some of you may remember that feeling too. We at the in those days had decided to pre-record our Easter service. So that just allowed us to make sure that for Easter Sunday, like there wouldn't be a tech glitch or anything like that. We were just trying to, to minimize any risk that day of not getting to worship uh, online. And so I'm standing there in the back of the auditorium at Harrisonburg. And if you've never been there, it's a room that will seat four to 600 people depending on our layout. And so I'm standing in the back of this large auditorium, and there's maybe 15 or 20 people around. And these were really the first people that i got gotten to worship with in a while. And I remember the, the, the band was up playing, and those of us that were in the room, we were worshiping. We were just savoring that precious moment. And in that time, I remember there was a flood of unexplained and really unexpressible joy that came over me because I was in the presence of God worshiping and in the presence of other believers worshiping again. You know, now, full disclosure, I was living my best life as an introvert during the pandemic, okay? Everybody had to be distant. I mean, you were locked at home with a wood shop and and trout season going on, okay? Like, I was living my best life. And and there was even time where before Sunday morning service would air for us, I could sneak out to Raleigh Springs, go trout fishing, and make it back just in time to be on online church. Don't tell Pastor Adrian. I'm not sure he knows I was doing that. Uh, But there in the back of that large room that evening, uh, I was worshiping with a few other believers I knew, even as an awkward introvert, that beyond any doubt, I was made for that community and that fellowship. I was made for that something deep inside of me after being separated from other believers came whole again in that moment of fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers and today as our world marches on from that time frame and whatever this new normal is and I don't even know how we define normal anymore like what is that But as we continue on in whatever this new normal of disruption is, we are still carrying with us. We still have a created longing deep within our hearts for that connection, for that connection with the Lord and that connection and intimacy with other believers. And so as we gather again, as we can try to move on from those times, will we relearn the importance of unity and shared life together will we see jesus prayer answered in our lives that we may be one we may be one just as you are in me and i am in you i want to welcome you back to the conclusion of our teaching series learning and unlearning uh, this is week four of our journey together and, and you may remember if you were here, we began our series uh, just grabbing and wrestling with this idea that our message does not change and that's not an idea, that's a truth. The message of the gospel is timeless, but we need to understand that the way in which we're communicating that gospel to others, the way in which we're impacting and negotiating our new and disrupted world must always be changing because we will get left behind. And so we have great comfort that the message of Jesus Christ and the Bible is not up for debate, but the point of this series is that we want to be faithful to that call to be his witnesses in our world, And we've seen throughout the series and our different studies that we're to share in Jesus' heart, that we're to be a compassionate and a peacemaking presence in our world. Because I, I don't know about you, but I, it's sometimes a lot more comfortable for me to retreat, to live my best introvert life alone, right? But Jesus' heart is that we're in that tension, that we go and we become compassionate and peacemaking people in the middle of the disruption of our world. And we become a signpost to another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so today, as we finish up our series, we want to be honest with ourselves and understand our tendency as believers to scatter, to be staunchly self-sufficient and defiantly self-reliant. Because sadly, the pandemic gave many of us an excuse to disconnect. And friends, that's not a word that should ever describe the people of God you might be wondering, why are you talking to me about this? We're in church, right? Like, aren't we already getting an A on this test? And that's a great question. That's a great question. I, I, I think what Jesus was praying for and what he's getting at it and what he's inviting us into is beyond just shared space with other believers. I, I think it, it's more in-depth, it's more intimate than simple proximity he's inviting us to unity instead of proximity now I'm glad you're here please come again let's worship together again but let's also hear the prayer of Jesus to go beyond just worshiping together in the same space to have true unity together Uh, Let's continue uh, in our teaching text today. I want to turn to 1 John. So go past the Gospels, and before you hit Revelation, just back up just a little bit to John's first letter. And we want to begin in chapter 1, verse 1. John uh, had some years have gone by at this point, and and he begins to understand and unpack this idea of unity uh, just a little bit farther. So 1 John, beginning in chapter 1, at verse 1, it says, "...that which was from the beginning..." Now, these are the first words. It's not, hey, how you doing? This is John, nice to see you. This is how he opens this letter to his people. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the word of life, the life appeared, we have seen it and we testify to you the eternal life, which was with the father and has appeared to us we proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard and I want you to listen here there's an important word coming up that I don't want us to miss verse 3 he says we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and his son Jesus Christ we write this to make our joy complete Let's pray together. Lord, you, hours before you were sentenced, hours before you were crucified, Lord, you prayed for this idea of unity. Lord, today, can we have everything you meant in that moment? That whatever it is, Lord, we we would put aside our ideas of relationship, of what our thinking is of how our relationship with you works or how it works with the person to our left and our right. Lord, we want what you were praying for in those moments. God, we want the unity that you desired for us. So, Lord, come. Break down our barriers. Break down our preconceived notions. And, Lord, fill us with divine unity, Lord. We want to receive what you prayed for in those moments. So come, Holy Spirit. We love you. Amen. So in our first John text here, he really seems to be picking up right where the prayer of Jesus left off, didn't he? You see, he, he's giving witness of what they've seen and what they've heard, and, and they've seen it with his own eyes. They were firsthand witnesses of the eternal transcendent word of life becoming flesh in Christ Jesus. They witnessed it. They touched him. They knew him. They sat around the campfire with Jesus, and he's saying that it's in that intimacy, it's in that knowledge of who Jesus is, that we have that intimacy with him and the Father, and then he expands that idea to say it's in and through that relationship, that we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. It's in knowing him and experiencing him personally that we find our relationship with God and with each other. John uses a word here, and it's it's translated fellowship in the NIV, and it's really, the original word there is a Greek word called koinonia, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so please forgive my pronunciation there. Fellowship or koinonia, this idea, uh, when he carefully chose that word, when he's trying to describe it, he he was not just thinking of potluck dinners, unfortunately, because I like to fellowship at potluck dinners, okay? I'm just, just so you know. It's more than that. It's a part of it. But he's talking about a much bigger picture. And and so he's talking about something that's not just sharing the same space on Sunday mornings, which is good, but he's inviting us to more. So this is not just those conversations of, hey, how you doing? How's work going? It's deeper. It's much deeper than that. And in fact, if we totally understood the depth of this word, uh, koinonia might frankly make us a little uncomfortable, a little itchy maybe. You see, koinonia is, is very personal and intimate in its meaning and its translation. Uh, it, it signifies a sharing of values and purpose. You see, fellowship or unity is sharing resources together as well as responsibility. It's a sharing of resources and responsibility it's shared common life together and this is where it starts to get a little weird for us today is because some ancient translators and scholars would use this word when they were talking about the intimacy even the intercourse between husband and wife I told you it was going to get weird but that's the level of connection that he's talking about here and so this is not about uh, asking whether Clemson won the game last night like those interactions are important But he's saying, no, no, no! Don't stop there. Let's step into the gift of koinonia, and this something uh, that he's revealing and he's talking about. It's through Christ. It comes through knowing Him first. We we see in Acts two as the apostles have gathered there at the coming of the Spirit. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, koinonia, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so we see in this that koinonia, a true connection with brothers and sisters in Christ only comes through intimacy with God the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. You see, this really just amplifies and shores up the truth that John gave us in his passage, that it's only through our unity with Christ that we can anticipate unity with one another. Because, friends, the, the fellowship, this idea of koinonia is going to take work. It might even be awkward because after all, he's trying to get us to have this relationship with other people and that can be awkward at times. That can be hard at times, right? Because we're all so differently and uniquely made. But he's saying step into that. It's not something that we can manufacture on our own. It's a gift from God himself. We must receive it and seek to live into its reality. So I suppose today, friends, the point of today's message, if all you hear is this, is that if the pandemic or really anything else for that matter has been successful in distancing you, in robbing you from the fellowship uh, with God and, and with other believers, it's worth the fight to get it back. It's worth the fight to get it back. It's that important. It's that important. Uh, this summer, I believe I got to experience just a little bit of the power, the influence, uh, uh, the connection of koinonia, what that word uh, is getting at. It's, it's one of the Sundays that I, we were on vacation, and I wasn't scheduled to be back yet, so I, please forgive me, but I went to worship at another local church. And, and I made my way to the back of the sanctuary, where you know, where all the good seats are. I see y'all back there. Uh, that's where the good seats are. So I I, I get to sit in the back, right? I'm on vacation. So, so I sneak into the back in full introvert disclosure. I was just hoping to be left alone. Like, just let me be present, let me worship. That didn't last too long. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle of that desire, uh, something interrupted that, and I think that was koinonia. That connection, you see, I'm weird, y'all know that by now. Uh, The pre-service music's happening and I'm like taking in the facility, looking at the lights, I'm watching the hospitality team, how they're navigating around like undercover ball style, right? Like I'm just watching it all go down and I'm seeing the gentleman playing uh, keyboard and I know him, I recognize him, and, and then something in the middle of all that taking it all in, I see two friends. Now I'm not talking about like Facebook friends, you know, two of 2,000 on Facebook. No, 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 these were people I had done life with. These people I'd done life with. Now, th- these folks, we had been in life group together at one point uh, together. and so, so we had shared meals together. We had shared a common table. We had laughed together. We played stupid games together. But you know what? We also took time to grieve together when that season came too. These were friends that we had done life together. And, and because of the pandemic and our moving down this way, like we kind of lost track of one another, I I was pretty sure they were attending another church trying to find a call that God had put on their lives. And, And before, in those moments, before introvert me even knows what happened to explain it to you, I hollered out their names. Like, so much for being left alone, right? I just blew my cover. But what followed in those moments was meaningful, genuine, conversation that had gone on like we never missed a minute. And I'm pretty sure today friends that it had been years. But yet there was still a remnant of a connection there, of shared experience and shared life together. I mean, we shared stories about our different housing adventures and about what God was doing in their lives, and they celebrated what God is doing here at the East Campus. And you know, it could have been awkward because after all, we're both in a church different from where we met, but you know what? That true shared life in Christ had transcended those changes and it was still there. And you know, as I've reflected uh, on that encounter, I wonder, it's been making me think how strong, how connected, how deep should the relationships be that we're forming here together at the East Rock Campus. So, so ask yourself that question. Are, are the relationships and how I'm getting to know people that, that you're sitting to your left and your right up front and back up, are they relationships in depth of koinonia that in years you'll run into them in Walmart and go, oh my gosh, God's been so good. Is that what we're doing here? That's koinonia. It's a elevation. It's a prioritizing of our life in Christ over everything else. Everything else besides Christ Jesus holds a lower value. It's of secondary importance. It all comes under the premise, the priority of life in Christ. Friends, the enemy hates it when we live like this. The enemy hates it when koinonia is happening. There's an old song, and you're going to regret my singing today, but I want to share it with you. It went something like this It said, We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. I see some foot tapping. Y'all been there? You see, that's not just a cool jingle, that's the reality koinonia, the invitation to unity, to shared experience and shared life together. And in Jesus's prayer, this unity that we're to find, is going to be a display. It's going to be a way that the world sees his goodness and his grace at work. And so you can imagine the devil is losing ground anytime the church gets this right. Anytime the church lives in this unity, the kingdom of God is advancing. And so the opposite of this is going to be true too, that the enemy loves it when we live in disunity and discord with one another. You know, Our world is still feeling some effects of disruption, separation, isolation. All of those things that we went through, we're still coming to see the signs of. We can look around and suicides are just heartbreakingly on the rise. Clinical depression is is on the rise. People are living in isolation and it's just become a new normal. You see, there's so much in this season that we're trying to unlearn and, and yet so much we need to learn in these days. Because, friends, I think the enemy has capitalized on this disruption and brought it into the life of believers in the church. You see, because people are leaving the church. People are leaving the church. They're disconnecting. They're isolating. They're deconstructing their faith following this disruption. We have made secondary issues, things that are of utmost importance to the world. We've brought those value systems inside into our relationships. And so rather than elevating and prioritizing Christ, we have elevated secondary issues. And, And then we start to try to distance ourselves from people we disagree with. So rather than in Koinonia, we have small encampments of different thinking. We, the people who are supposed to be one in Christ, have begun to lean out. We've begun to lean out from our relationship with the Lord, and especially our relationships with one another. And the truth is, friends, we will never experience the unity that Jesus prayed for with Him and the Father and with other believers if we're leaning out. We'll never experience it, leaning out. Let's continue in our first John teaching text there in verse five. He says, "This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light." In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. You see, John makes a declarative statement here that God is light. In him there is absolutely no darkness at all. He is absolute purity and holiness and righteousness. And so since that's the nature of God, he's totally free of sin and darkness, if we... If we continue to choose sin, if we continue to choose our way, if we elevate ourselves over priority in Christ, if we do that, we are not walking in the light. He says if we claim to have fellowship, so if we think we're living the Christian life, but yet we're leaning out and choosing sin, he's saying, no, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. This should alert us. This should alert us. That if we're leaning out, if we're trying to bring and fool ourselves into bringing a little bit of darkness into our all pure light relationship with God, it's not going to work. The Invitation to unity with Christ Jesus is an exclusive claim our lives and our obedience let's look at verse 7 you see so he's looking at this uh, idea of like hypocrisy of of lying to yourself in verse 6 and he turns around to see the alternative he turns around here in verse 7 with that word but but if we will walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. You see, the relationship we have with Jesus changes us. It changes how we have communion with Him and it changes how we have communion with one another. Unity. Unity. You see, sin is the ultimate disruption of true intimacy with God and with one another. But if we will walk in the light, He will purify our hearts and restore unity that we can live in together. And so, friends, it's into that tension. It's into that space, if you will, between verse 6 and verse 7. It's into that space that he has called us into that disruption to live in unity, to live in priority with Christ Jesus and one another. We must give ourselves to learning what that means to hold that intimacy with Christ as the single most important factor over all other categories. That's got to be number one. And we, we must unlearn the ways that we've been categorizing one another and trying to distance ourselves from one another and relearn true unity through Christ. Because, friends, Unity is a gift of being in His presence. So it is the reality, we simply need to live into it. After all, we are one in Christ. We are one. I have a short clip today that I think will help us unpack this a little bit further.
2: It's so easy to place people in boxes, drawing lines, creating sides there's us and there's them those we feel comfortable around and those we don't there are those of us with many chapters and those just starting their own stories there's the well to do and those doing what they can There are those we share something with, and those we don't seem to share anything with. Welcome and thank you for coming today guys. Today I'm going to be conducting an experiment uh, where I'll ask you a series of questions. Now these questions will be very personal questions, and for us to get a true result I need you to be completely honest with how you respond. The first question I have is who in here was the class clown? Is never on time. And then there's us, we who have tattoos. We who have been bullied. We who have bullied others. We who are madly in love. I'm mm-hmm. not one body, we stand together, united as one under his grace.
1: And then there is us. And then there's us. We are one in Christ. We will not be driven apart. We will not be disconnected. We cannot. We cannot. Friend, if you're here today and you feel disconnected, I don't think you're here by accident. The band's going to lead us in worship and if disconnect or disruption today is maybe how you would define whether that's in your relationship to God or to one another, would you remedy that today? Would you just step into that intimacy that he's calling us to, that he prayed we would experience? It's our inheritance in Christ. Don't you want it? Don't you want it? I invite you to stand and uh, you can kneel, you can worship. uh, Just respond. Live in the reality of unity in Christ Jesus today, friends.
0: Thank you so much for listening today.